0: Welcome to International Horizons, a podcast of the Ralph Bunch Institute for International Studies that brings scholarly and diplomatic expertise to bear on our understanding of a wide range of international issues. My name is John Torpy and I'm director of the Ralph Bunch Institute at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. Today, we examine the military conflict and humanitarian crisis in the Tigray region of Ethiopia. In order to explore that issue, we're fortunate to have with us today Britta Wagner, who served as ambassador of Germany to Ethiopia and the African Union during 2017-2020. She returned to Germany in uh, mid-2020. Uh, Before that, she was German Consul General in New York from 2014 to 2017, where I had the privilege to get to know her. She was before that Ambassador of Germany to Iraq from 2012 to 2014, and Consul General in Istanbul, Turkey during 2009 to 2012. She had a number of diplomatic and governmental postings prior to those tours and graduated with a law degree from the University of Bonn in 1978. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, Ambassador Britta Wagner. So we're hearing and reading reports of very serious violence and starvation in the Tigray region, which is in the northern part of Ethiopia and just south of Eritrea, which itself, of course, just recently became a separate state. Could you please start us off by describing the situation in the Tigray at present?
1: Well, thank you very much, Uh, John. It's a pleasure uh, being with you. Thank you for having me on this um, a bit complicated topic. First of all, let me point out, um, Ethiopia is a very complex country with about 80, 80 ethnic groups and languages and a history of, well, ethnic conflict. Um, so you were mentioning uh, the violent um, conflict that broke out in uh, at the beginning of November last year. Um, the military operation led by the um, central, the Egyptian defense, for, uh, the Ethiopian defense forces, um, started after the regional um, forces from Tigray. Um, attacked a um a, the northern command of the Ethiopian defense forces um prime minister Abe, who ordered that operation calls it a law and order operation uh, meaning to restore um as he says law and order and to um to uh, implement uh, the 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 legal um order um but it's coming uh, more and more to light that it's not only Ethiopian defense forces that are involved, but also um, Eritrean troops are present in Tigray. Nobody really knows how many. Um, And militias from a neighboring regional state from the Amhara regional state. And there has been a long, long history of conflict also between the Amharas and the Tigrays. I have to say that... um, the, the, the information situation is still very difficult. Uh, this all happened after complete uh, communication cutoff uh, it has been uh, Tigray has been cut off for weeks. Nobody was able to get in and to get information out. Telephone lines were blocked. The internet was cut off, so it was very difficult to know what re- was really going on. You all, we always had the so-called propaganda from both sides, and it was difficult um, to really find out um, what was um, the reality. Uh, then the central forces claimed uh, that the operation was over when they took over Mekelle, which is the, um, the capital of uh, the region of Tigray, at the end of November, um, and the, the federal government in Addis said they were um, beginning to reconstruct and there was not much damage among civilians done anyhow. Um, but um, we all know, and this is very clear, even with the difficult information situation, that the fighting goes on um and 10,000 or 100,000 are displaced uh, within Tigray they were fleeing um the the battles um there are about 60,000 refugees um who went to Sudan and as i said eritrean forces and uh, amhara militias are fighting the um well the Tigrayan um, uh, defense forces, the regional forces, uh, they have probably partly withdrawn um, into the bushes. Into the bush, um, they have a long history of fighting um, in in um, the the civil war uh, at the end of the eighties or in the eighties uh, when um, they were. Um, uh um fighting the communist regime um in in addis so the, the tigrayans and it's called the, the the tplf the tigray um people's liberation front um have a long history of um of uh, freedom fighting and um but so the TPLF forces, they they are hiding probably somewhere. But there are also young people. That's what I just heard recently. Young people who are not affiliated to the TPLF itself, who are ready to fight and um, who are um, who are hiding. The situation in in the uh, in the region is quite dramatic. Killing, looting, rape. The federal government has admitted that there that there were lots of um, gender-based violence and rape uh, going on. The federal president has visited Mekelle um, and had met with victims. Um, there are massacres which start to being investigated, um, but each side is claiming that the other that the other um, part is is um, responsible um and that's why there are a lot of um demands for an international um, an impartial international investigation but the government is uh, for the time being of course not um willing to accept that uh what is very worrying it seems to me is that it's not con- not really confined to tigray but that there is a racial profiling against tigray going on all over Ethiopia, well, there were lots, of course, lots of of, uh, of Tigrains living outside of Tigray, as Ethiopia was one country, even that it was um, with with federal regions. But there were lots of there were lots of Tigrayans, uh, living in Addis, for example, and they were harassed um, um, by the administration. They were hindered to leave the country. Um, and things like this. They were harassed by the tax authorities and so on. Um, so this this adds to a lot of ongoing ethnic problems in the country already. And with the displacement um, in the region and the destruction of a lot of infrastructure, there is a very dire humanitarian situation Um there is a lot of information about people starving because it seems that um soldiers nobody really knows who there is a, a lot of people are claiming it's the eritrean soldiers have really burned harvests um and destroyed infrastructure destroyed hospitals um the 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 farmers haven't been able to work in the fields so the the probably the next um harvest uh, will not yield uh, many res- um many many results so people are really um um don't have don't have enough to eat in in parts of the countryside um and um and on top of it could, and could you perhaps neglected. yes there was there was a um a low just... cost uh, problem they had at the same time yes
0: I was just going to ask, I mean, you've given us some numbers about, uh, I think you said 60,000 who had fled to Sudan. To Sudan. Uh, I wonder whether you could just give us, you know, some rough numbers insofar as you know them. I know that the information uh, supply is not very good, but I mean, how many people are being killed? How many people are uh, displaced? How many people are, are, are you concerned about starvation?
1: About being killed? I don't know whether there are already any figures. Um, but um, displaced, it goes into the hundred thousands um, within Tigray. Uh, so the internally displaced, and um, there are there are. Uh, I mean, in Tigray, the population is about uh, six to seven um, million people, and the humanitarian organizations um, have given the figures of about half of the population is, will depend on. Um, and food aid and 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 assistance. But the problem was that they couldn't get to the people in need. Um, now the government is slowly, I mean, the central government is, is slowly allowing people back in, um, but the humanitarians, they say that it's still difficult to reach really uh, the people because partly also because there is f- still fighting going on. Um, There is, um, I mean, they are letting people in. For example, there has been just a group of ambassadors from Addis visiting um, Tigray, but mainly Mekela, I think, the the capital. Um, Humanitarians can go in again, and journalists, international journalists have also been allowed. But there is a, a... uh, there has been a backlash also on that because um, local correspondents, uh, stringers of those international correspondents have been arrested, for example. Um, so the situation, as far as the human rights situation, as far as the humanitarian situation is concerned, is um, is very serious. Um, and it is, it is serious also that the international community is hardly taking notice of it. I mean, it, it started with the, with the uh, new American uh, administration that they are taking a closer look. The EU does, but everybody was pretty, pretty reluctant because the, the, information, um, the information was so difficult to get to ascertain what was really going on uh, on the ground. You've
0: hinted a little bit at, you know, some of the history here, that the history goes back before, you know, November 4th, when the current uh, episode began. Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that. And you mentioned that there were 88 ethnic groups and or mm-hmm. languages. I mean, it sounds like a pretty complicated place. So maybe you could just review for those of us who are not that familiar with Ethiopia and Eritrea now, uh, you know, how that, uh, what the background is historically.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, the um, since the beginning of the 90s, when the communist um, regime was abolished, um, the TPLF—that means the Tigrayan organization—was dominating the political setup in Ethiopia. Um, they um, they governed the country well, quite um, quite o- in a quite o- authoritarian manner. Um, a lot of other. Ethnic groups felt um, marginalized and alienated. So um, um, and, and well, how did they govern? I mean, they had the key positions in, in government, but also in this in all the security apparatus like the army, um, the police, uh, the intelligence services. Um, that is also why, among the other ethnic groups, the the, the TPLF. Which became a kind of a political, not not kind of, which became a political party, was not very uh, very much liked among the other ethnic groups in Ethiopia, and that was also one of the reasons why, um, after a lot of unrest um, in the country in 2018, Prime Minister Abiy came to power. He is um, he belongs to the majority um, ethnic group of the country, of the Oromos um and it was mainly the Oromo youngsters who uh, who brought him um to office and whose expectations about um about his um his uh, governance was very very high um prime minister Abiy really um introduced a lot a big number of reforms at the beginning um uh, it looked very very positive he was inviting the, the exiled opposition to come back. He was releasing political prisoners. Um, a number of, uh, of legislation was changed, like the the, the, the law that uh, governs the activities of non-governmental organizations. Uh, so it looked very, very positive. Um, and then in 2008, still also in 2018, he reached out to um, Eritrea, to President Isaias, um, for peace, the two countries had been living in a in a kind of a state of non peace, non war, non war um, since uh, two thousand, uh, after a, a hot war between nineteen ninety eight and two thousand. Um, so th- things looked really good, um, but um, the TPLF, the political representation of Tigray, was very suspicious of what he was doing, he they feared that he wanted to change the ethnic federalism um, which uh, the constitution laid down and to, to establish a rather um, authoritarian, unitary uh, state where they would lose more power even. The Tigrayans, the tplf the, was the force that lost most with Abiy coming to power and um, all the changes. That um, that came with it, and then in two thousand nineteen, I, I guess end of two two thousand nineteen, um, uh, Prime Minister Abiy also changed the 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 party system. Until then, it were federal parties from different regions who formed kind of a coalition who was running uh, the government, um, and uh, Abiy. Um, uh, set up a Unitarian Party, the Prosperity Party, where a lot of those um, regional parties um, uh, merged in it, but the TPLF always refused to go along. So that was one of the first um, very open clashes between Abiy and the former uh, and the forces of the, the TPLF, uh, the political elite of Tigray. So um, they didn't go along um they by the way um did not appreciate abiy's political course at all i've met people i mean leaders in tigray who were very outspoken that abiy was not able to to lead the country and to do what was necessary and um while it then the 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 tensions between the central government and um the tigray, and the tplf really um um the tension escalated when abi postponed the elections which uh should have taken place in 2020 first it was supposed to, they were supposed to be in may then they postponed them until august but then uh due pretendedly due to covid he um he postponed them uh, indefinitely first. Now, well, they it seems that they are supposed to happen in June of this year, but we don't know yet. So this uh, was not accepted by the um, the TPLF. They then said, well, if you don't run election, don't hold elections, then your government, because the term of the government and the parliament expired, your government is illegitimate. Um, and they, um, they organized their own regional elections, which Abiy said were unconstitutional, but they went ahead um, nevertheless. But then Prime Minister Abiy said the government that came out, the regional government that came out of that, those elections was I- illegitimate. So it, um, it, it escalated step by step. There were a lot of rumors going on already in 2019 that the Tigrayans were arming militias, um, but also that the Amharas were arming militias and training militias who had border issues with with Tigray and a a long-standing tension also um, between the two ethnic groups. Um, So um, Tigray felt sandwiched in a way between the federal government in Addis, and Eritrea. And this is something people, it's sometimes difficult to understand because ethnically, um, the majority of the uh, the Eritreans and the Tigrayans are the same people. But um, after Eritrea became independent in 1993, very, very soon um, the relationship turned sour and um, there was... Um, I mean, there were various various um, issues, but people also say there was a very clear, just very personal enmity between the then Prime Minister of Ethiopia, Mele Zenawi, who was a Tigrayan, of course, who was the leader of the TPLF, and President uh, President Isaias from um, from Eritrea. So that broke in, out into a hot war in 1998, and was and with. Well, with a big number of, of casualties, nobody really knows the, the, the figures um vary from fifty thousand to three hundred thousand who lost their lives lives in that in that war. Um it was then there was a the kind of a peace agreement also regulating border issues between Eritrea and Ethiopia, which is Tigray because the whole border is with or almost the whole border is with um with Tigray, so um, this, um, um, this this peace agreement was never really honored by the by the Ethiopians. They would have to um, to give back uh, territory along the border uh, and other things, and then all of a sudden in two thousand eighteen, Prime Minister Abi reached out to President Isaias and said, "Well, I am I am ready to uh, to accept that peace agreement." um and um I want to um and they signed kind of a peace agreement which was not never very substantial, but there were um the the borders were opened um it was i think in September two thousand and eighteen the borders were open um there was uh, telecommunication was reintroduced flights were resumed diplomatic relations were resumed. and there was a huge euphoria in both countries because people who hadn't met for decades. Would finally meet again, um, but then this um, this did not really last very long. The borders were closed again, and um, um, uh, the borders were closed again. While telephone lines were still open, but the Eritreans, because Eritrea is a very very um, a dictatorial regime. They cannot just take a plane. They need a perm- permit. They don't get a permit. That's why there are lots of refugees from Eritrea also in Ethiopia, but also um, leaving for Western countries. So um, the old the old um, rivalry between Tigray and Eritrea was back. Tigray felt left out in this outreach by um, Abi towards the Eritreans. They have never been consulted, even though they are the neighbor and they had a very difficult relationship with, with the Eritreans and, and with uh, President Isaias in, in particular. Um, and on the other hand, um, it was very clear that what President Isaias um, expected when he accepted uh, this offer of pre- Prime Minister Abiy to um, to make peace was that um, Ethiopia would finish the TPLF, which really was was his arch enemy, and that's obviously a little bit what's happening now, and that that's the reason why the Eritreans are so heavily involved. It's difficult to understand why, but this goes back to the war in between 1998 and 2000, and all that came after it, um, so that makes it um, also um, with Sudan and uh, and Eritrea involved. It makes it kind of an international conflict.
0: Right. Well, that leads to the question that I really wanted to ask now, and uh, it's all the more relevant since I see that you were also ambassador to the African Union, which I didn't really realize mm-hmm. that that was also part of your uh, your portfolio. Uh, so, I mean, the question basically is, uh, you know, what can international uh, organizations do here, and to you know, to what extent is it an international conflict that? they have sort of the right to, uh, to get involved in. I mean, the African Union, I gather there's been the adoption of a sort of non-indifference principle, which is somewhat similar to the notion of the responsibility to protect. Um, you know, is there a kind of role for the African Union or the Security Council of the United Nations?
1: Well, first of all, I, I, I definitely think that it is not just a domestic issue. I mean, the government, the Prime Minister Abi, um, claims that. But as I said, uh, Sudan, and it's not only that refugees have, have fled to Sudan, but there are also um, there are um, there is fighting over the border between Sudan and Tigray, and that has um, aggravated since um, um, the the well the the the, the military operation in uh, in Tigray. Uh, Because the Sudanese, well, it's very difficult also there to know, but probably the Sudanese felt the opportunity to to enter, the, the forces to enter territory, which is claimed by both sides, because the Ethiopian forces had moved to Tigray uh, because they were needed there. So, this created kind of a vacuum, which the Sudanese obvious. Uh, it seems that the Sudanese um, uh, took the opportunity um, to, to go in. Um so this is also there is there is conflict lingering uh, between Sudan and ethiopia, and this has been aggravated by by the conflict um eritrea i already mentioned that they have troops on the ground and it seems they have massively troops on the ground um and uh there are lots of there are lots of information which makes makes us believe that there are crimes committed, crimes against humanity, crimes um, and and maybe kind of war crimes. So um, this all justifies um, activities of the, the international community. And according to my view, even um, of the Security Council of the United Nations. Um, but uh, I think for very general reasons, um, reasons and considerations, this would be very difficult because probably the Chinese and the Russian would never agree. They would say it is a a domestic affair and the international community should not get involved. Um, The African Union has been very low key. Also, this is for me personally, it's a big disappointment because they have Whole department which has been merged with the, the political department. They now have a big department on peace and security um, in the African Union. And well, according to me, they should try to to um, to help and to engage in that uh, in that conflict. But they have hardly done at the very beginning. Um, uh, in 2020, it was still South Africa that was holding the, the, the presidency of the African Union and President Ramaphosa um, nominated three special envoys, all senior African um, leaders um to look into the matter to go to ethiopia and they were dis- they were uh, received by um by prime minister abiy but uh, they were not allowed to travel in the country and um, nothing came out of that initiative, which, by the way, the president um, of Ethiopia had um, agreed upon with President Ramaphosa from South Africa. So also for her, I think it was quite a blow that um, Abi did not really um, engage with them. I, according to what I've read or heard is that he just... Explained the situation to them, so um, he told them uh, what was going on, and they were not not really in a position to, to investigate or to to, to question um, his point of view. Mm.
0: So it, it occurs to me to ask. You know, you're no longer in this position, so maybe you're uh, a bit freer to speak. Uh, but what does an ambassador do in a situation like this? I mean, you can't surely be seen as meddling in the internal affairs of the country to which yeah, you're posted. So what, what can you do?
1: Well, as an ambassador, as I said, now they have been, tra- They ha- the, a big group of ambassadors have traveled to to Tigray, but only after, of course, the, the central government has uh, allowed them to travel and probably they organized their program. I don't know whom they have been able to meet, but at least they have still said, well, the fighting has to stop, the um, human rights violations have to stop, and humanitarian assistance has to get in. That's At least what I just read, I think this visit was yesterday or day before yesterday, that's what they said. On the other hand, uh, the European Union, I think, has stopped um, um, assistance to the Ethiopians for some time. I don't know whether this is still um, upheld or whether there has been any arrangement because there was kind of budget support to the Ethiopian government and I think that has been stopped. I mean, this had all been started with this reform course of Abiy. Everybody was so happy uh, when he he came to power and introduced all those reforms, um, which I don't see really moving on because it's not only Tigray that's in a mess. I mean, this is particularly serious, but there's a lot of ethnical tensions going on also among Oromos and among Oromos and other ethnicities, so... Ethnic groups. So um, even if um, if one would be able to fix this problem that burst out in Tigray, there would be a lot of other things. And I think what really would be necessary, and Germany has been trying to to engage in this, would be something like a, um, a very um, um, inclusive national dialogue between various groups and various parties. But now, again, opposition leaders have been imprisoned. Um, um, major, major political leaders who had come back after Abi had invited them to come back, they are now, again, in prison. Journalists are in prison. I mean, um, you have the impression it's, it's all started, again, what um, Abi was supposed to change. And, well, as an ambassador, it's not easy. I mean, you can ask questions or you can talk to people. Um, The Ethiopian government has been quite aggressive in their public diplomacy. I don't know whether you have seen. um, I think also the ambassador of Ethiopia to the UN, he has issued um, statements, I the ambassador to Washington, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but it clearly the ambassador to the European Union. She has issued quite strong statements saying, well, this is all false. Um, there was an article in the Guardian saying that the Ethiopians were using a famine and starvation as a weapon in, in the conflict. They they reacted very strongly to, to that. So, as an ambassador in the country, I mean, you would want still to stay in contact. So it's it's difficult how far you can go, but you can still ask questions. I mean, go and see the the people in government and ask questions.
0: Right. So you've mentioned uh, you know extensively, Mister Abi, uh, and uh, but I don't think we've mentioned that he not very long ago, not long before all this started, was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Yes. And I mean, I guess there are some suggestions and things that I've read to the effect that you know, this gave him a certain sense of uh, entitlement, as we might say, and a certain uh, sense of being above uh, certain kinds of constraints. And I I guess I wonder, I I mean, first of all, I I wonder about that, you know, to, to what extent did the conferral of the Nobel Peace Prize kind of end up, uh, you know, effectively being a kind of international meddling in this situation. Uh, And I also wonder, you know, whether there's a certain analogy to Da Aung San Suu Kyi in in Myanmar, that is to say, you know, this person was seen as the reformer, this person was seen as the person who was going to set everything right. And then, you know, developments developed in such a way that people, you know, the bloom came off the rose, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder, you know, what you would yeah. say about that.
1: Well, um, I think it's, in any case, it should not have given him any kind of idea that he was above um, respect for human rights and so on. On the contrary, um, uh so he would have to feel obliged to respect international law and human rights. But um, that's obviously not what has happened. I don't think that uh, the fact that he had got the P- Nobel Peace Prize h- has really encouraged him to do what he did. I think he would have done it anyway, this way or that way. Um, personally, I think... As you mentioned, this um, this uh, prize was bestowed uh, upon him far too early. But I mean, we were all so happy to have um, to have these good news from Africa, you know, an African country that was reforming without bloodshed, um, uh, embarking on a on a way to democracy, and that that's how it looked at the beginning. And we were very enthusiastic. We said we have to um, to support him in this course and um, to assist Ethiopia in going ahead with these bold reforms. Um, and it came, obviously, yeah, I mean – Ambassadors, I think, in, in Ethiopia were not really expecting what was happening. We knew that there uh, was this conflict with Tigray. We didn't know what the former elite in Tigray, the TPLF, what they were up to, whether in the end they would expe- uh, accept the changes or whether they were gearing up for something. That is what kind of happened and what made uh, Abiy, um act in this way. But... Um, it was also that there were the 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 clashes the ethnic ethnically motivated clashes were um increasing all over the country and it he for some times he was even i mean there was a lot of internal displacement and for some time he was really just denying or not ta- not not really looking into this um, into these these issues. And he always said, well, this is part of the transition. It's a difficult time. But he was not really taking this seriously. Um, and he was obviously also listening, very soon listening lis- less and less to outsiders. Nobody really knew who his advisors were. Um, there was a lot of changes in in his in his surroundings in his office so and uh, he was he was micromanaging a lot of things he was for example developing projects for Addis Ababa big um big um urban development project which could be very interesting for the city but this is not really the 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 task of a prime minister to take care of these issues so um I think he, he did not listen anymore, and I don't know why this came so quickly. I mean, we know that people who, are, um, who, who start um, implementing reforms can turn into autocrats or dictators, but with him, it happened very, very soon. I mean, in 2018, um, he just came to office. That's two and a half years by now. So it's extremely disappointing and I don't know exactly who uh, who will be able to turn the situation around. I cannot imagine that the elections that are supposed to be held in, in June will really um, change the situation because some of the opposition party already said they will not take part. Um, There is one major opposition party, which is um, also a new party, which is an all Ethiopian party, which is not based on um, ethnic belonging. But um, it is not very clear that this will be um, kind of sufficient um, competition for Abiy. And whether, I mean, we don't even know whether the the elections are going to be fair and transparent right. and under the COVID situation, anyhow, it will be difficult. Um, so unless some some forces, I don't know whether the Americans together maybe with the Europeans will be able to push uh, the government um, in Ethiopia to hold inclusive, an inclusive dialogue with, with all political forces it will be very difficult. I don't see that Ethiopia will, will, will settle soon.
0: Well, thank you very much for that very informative uh, overview of the, a very worrisome and dangerous situation in Ethiopia, Tigray, and uh, Eritrea. That's it for today's episode of International Horizons. I want to thank Ambassador Gita Wagner for sharing her insights about the conflict. Uh, remember to subscribe and rate International Horizons on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I want to thank the uh, Otto and Fran Walter Foundation for its support of our Europe-related programming. I also want to thank Risto Voinov for his technical assistance and to acknowledge Duncan McKay for sharing his song, International Horizons, as the theme music for the show. This is John Torpy saying thanks so much for joining us and we look forward to having you with us for the next episode of International Horizons. Thanks again, Ambassador Britta Wagner.
1: Thank you so much and take, thank you for taking up this, um, this topic.